in Toronto for the Agency Podcast. And Eugene Apic, also in Toronto, also <laughs> at the same microphone for episode, I'm getting it right this time, 107. I know, yeah, I like how you're really into the, the numbers. Well, Before except I like, whatever. Except I can't keep track know, of them. Last, last week I said 105 and it was 106. It's better though that you don't keep track of it, I think. I don't know, it doesn't even matter. Oh, you got a little plastic coating on your um, keyboard there. All right, how are you doing? <laughs> Because <laughs> even yeah. though I'm staying with you, I haven't seen you in days. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've been very busy with the fam. That's true. We look across the street where Candy's been parking <laughs> to see if she's here. I know. <laughs> and I have not been here. I've been very, very busy. Going crazy. Um, how about you? So, yeah, doing stuff with the family. I finished my book that I was reading last week, though. I can't believe I finished it, The American Plague. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. It was so good, and I know way too much about yellow fever, and it's so disturbing. Mm -hmm. And there's still yellow fever fever in the world, but there's vaccinations for it. Uh, of course. So if you go to... But I'm sure there's still people <laughs> who think that yellow fever is a hoax. Well, they did in this... They and did. that Jesus won't like it, and... They like totally that. could not handle... There was all kinds of controversy about um, quarantine and, and, and vaccines and everything. Yeah, you're right. It's just an ongoing battle with uh, human beings afraid of stuff. So... Well, yeah. today was a momentous day oh. for Sheila and I. Yeah. And that for the first time in, oh, I don't know, a year and a half, we went to a movie. Oh, you went today? Today. Oh, what time? We were at the, uh, <laughs> the like, didn't you get the text? I thought it was yesterday because I went today. We went We went at the uh, at the 12 noon. Oh, yeah. Showing. I wouldn't have made that one. Yeah. 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 Okay, so, great. Yeah, I, I sent you a text that you want to join know, us. I know, and I said I couldn't, but I thought, and then I thought you said tomorrow, and then I thought you told me about the movie in the text, because you said the girlfriend wasn't there. So I thought you knew about the movie and had just watched it. I was very confused. So I thought you guys went last night. Oh, that's cool. No, well, we no went, I couldn't go till tonight. Oh, uh, we went today. Okay. Um, and it was... It, How did yeah. it feel to go to the theater? Well, it felt great. It didn't. It feel good. It felt really, really good. Oh, and, my you know, God. I, I talked to the people at the concession stand. Yeah. I said, it's really glad, really great to be back oh. here. And they said, you know, we're going to have... We don't have everything here right. now. Uh, right. But we're going to have everything soon. And they were right. really excited right. about it. Yeah. Um, it was very safe, I thought. Uh, everyone was wearing their masks, yes. and in the theater, it was all reserved seating, and they left plenty of space. So when we were there, there was loads of space. There was no right. one within right. 15 right. feet of us. Right. Well, I kind of thought, I'm going to run to that theater, see if I can catch it. Of course, the traffic in Lakeshore was closed, so I stuck, and I... I, I that's active TO, or that's like some John Tory idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, there's bikes all over the Lakeshore Drive. People mm -hmm. riding their bikes. Okay, I thought it was super annoying. Anyway, um, I made it somehow across the city, but it was missed the uh, previews, um, the trailers for other film. But I did get there in time. And we went. And we I saw the starving, same movie. And I wanted to have a hot dog, but they didn't have any hot dogs. So that's yeah. that's well, like you said. But it was clean and safe and felt. I great. had fries. 
Oh, I, I wish I'd even thought of it. I couldn't think yeah, of the, food. The fries were good. They were quite good. I, I quite enjoyed I it. I definitely wanted to eat at this movie, but I'm glad I didn't afterwards. Ah. Well, we both went to the same film. Yep. We went to see um, a film called Roadrunner uh, by Morgan Neville, and it's a documentary about Anthony Bourdain. It is a documentary about him. Kind of. It is, but it's not really like about his childhood or anything like that. It's not like a biography. No, it no. really... But it... it it covers really a lot mm -hmm. from, I believe he had access to somebody else's documentary footage from around the time that Bourdain's essay, uh, Don't Eat Before Reading This, was published mm -hmm. in The New Yorker, right. and then Kitchen Confidential came out, and I think that was 1999. That's amazing. So they had all kinds oh, of, footage, of like crazy. footage of this young guy who was full of beans. He was so sexy and handsome, and he, he made me want to smoke cigarettes tonight. <laughs> very bad he was so it's hard to believe how sexy he was when he was younger he's sexy when he was older too but he was pretty cute um yeah and he's really quite candid about his drug use he mm -hmm. was he was a heroin addict when he was a, a line cook yeah and um one of his friends i forget which one of them um suggested that he never really dealt with whatever whatever pain david cho the painter i think or was it John Dave, Lurie? Uh, David Coe. Oh, Coe. Yeah. So sorry. Um, yeah, he never dealt with the pain that led him to become a junkie in the in the, the first place and referred to him as a runner. Yes. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Yes. Because he ended up, his career was traveling from place to place mm -hmm. where he made new best friends every week, mm -hmm. but the next week none of them were there. Yeah. So in a way, he led this really lonely life mm -hmm. um he tried i think he really did try to have some kind of normal family life mm -hmm. but i don't think he was able to do it no it was interesting um i thought it was really well put together the way they paced it it was very fast and dreamy yeah. it was almost like it was only it was only 20 20 25 minutes too long too <laughs> yeah i guess it could have been shorter it but could have been shorter. if you kept it shorter you would have missed the very juicy bits at the end well, I mean, they, they could have kept by the juicy, juicy bits. i mean the love affair that was so cringy it was well, so awkward well to watch. yes and but and we're you, jumping you, all over this so most people know who anthony Bourdain is yes and that um i think everybody one thing i want to say was i think everybody that liked him felt they knew him and that he was like them i think there's an awful lot of that going on and i don't think he knew it I don't know if he did or not realize that a lot of people related to his attitude and his treatment of, of traveling. And there was like a whole generation, yeah. definitely a generation. But, but what he projected as the Anthony Bourdain that he was projecting mm -hmm. wasn't quite the Anthony no. Bourdain that was the real person. Um, in fact, he was somebody who had... Um, I'm going to say mood swings. It seemed like it. Um, who uh, could be uh, nasty. It sounded um, like it. Who could be, um, I think somebody referred to them uh, as like a motherfucker or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, he works in a kitchen. And having worked with people in kitchens since I was about 13, there's an awful lot of um, attraction to that job with yeah. unresolved issues and anger. I mean, it's a stereotype, yeah. but it's there. And he's a guy who, in an, in an interview that, that the director said, 
that his um, his how did he put it his um, his flaws were also his superpowers. Yes, I think that's true. I don't remember hearing that. But that is, I would say, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't in the film. Okay. I, I, I read it oh, you afterwards. Read it yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. And he said that yeah. um, he he talked about how um, you know he's a guy who knew no boundaries. Yeah, right. That's true. And um, and so he was able to every every week on his TV show go with reckless abandon yeah. into engaging people and yes. Yeah, I, you know, I would call that um, that he may not have had risk boundaries. Um, that, there's been a few people I've known over the years, and, and sometimes firefighters have this, where they don't have a risk impulse. Mm. They, it just doesn't seem to be there. You know, I, I, sometimes you'll see a little kid, they'll walk too close to the edge of something. But you usually grow out of that. Yes, and he had the and, ability to go into everything that he did with abandon. True. I would want to add, too, is that I, I was thinking about how it was made. Um you're right about that found footage or the footage that they must have got from whoever did a little article about him because he's working at La Halle, the French restaurant in New York City in Manhattan. They follow him there. He's ordering food. It's very intimate. It's obviously a documentary of some kind, whether it was his friend or whether it really went somewhere. Then the film is made up. It's very constant. There's not a time where the camera's on anything for very long. I don't think there's any time it's ever on there for five minutes. Maybe there is, but it feels like it's always one minute, one minute, one minute. And it's also got a lot of montages in it and found footage and borrowed footage from films, which yes. really make it show that he loved movies so much and it brought that into where... Yes, I had no he, idea um, how he was... He defined his world by movie references. Well, he I knew Apocalypse Now for sure because that's in Kitchen Confidential and the whole Vietnam and then In the Weeds is a phrase that a lot of people say in the kitchen and that came from a Vietnam Nam slang, right? And there is a controversy in, in this film um, and it, it has to do with something that's a technique that's used several times in the film and we know um, of one point in the film where it's used, but the director has said, well... You know, I'm not going to talk about where else it's been used. Okay. Uh, but uh, we can have that discussion later okay. after and the what, film. Okay, and what are you thinking of? And what I'm thinking of is when an email that he sends to his friend David Coe, right. um, in which he asks, are you happy? Uh-huh. It's a very, very dark um, email. It starts off, you hear David Coe's voice reading the email. Yes. And then... Suddenly, it's Anthony Bourdain's voice oh. reading the email. And it might have just gone without anyone commenting mm -hmm. on it, but somebody from the New Yorker, I believe, the New Yorker or the New York Times, mm -hmm. uh, I think it was the New Yorker. Well, you've really done some homework here. I'm, uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> contacted the director okay. and said, did you have a recording of him reading that email? Right. Um, because in the documentary world, there is like a rule that you don't make up sound bites no you don't um so you have you have the raw materials and you can assemble the raw materials uh -huh. however but he crossed a line according to a lot of documentary filmmakers and critics who are quite mm. upset and they consider this to be a big controversy but I don't understand. You're saying that David Coe didn't have an email from him? He had an email, yes. but he didn't have Anthony Bourdain reading true, the email. True. So what they did was he took 
hours and hours of voice. Oh, and they put it together? And they sent it to a software company who had an AI create the reading of that email in Anthony Bourdain's voice. Very interesting. And it's very well done. It's very well done. You wouldn't know it, it, it was put together. And it's done apparently a few times throughout the film. That's weird because you'll never believe it. While I was watching it, I started questioning the filmmaking. Because I started to feel like this couldn't have happened. Is this superimposed? There is a lot of superimposing because they put Anthony Bourdain in front of his favorite film sometimes. Yes. Right? And they mix in Apocalypse Now with Anthony Bourdain being there. And which you expect. And I liked all that. But there was and then there's a girlfriend in him in a car in front of another favorite film of his. But there were a couple of times where it seemed like this couldn't have happened and he was you didn't see his mouth moving and there I mean, obviously, voiceover. So they did a few of those. They huh? did apparently a few of them in which they had this AI create passages in his voice. And, and some documentary so filmmakers is, and critics are very upset about this and oh. think it's really a no-no. And so I was Why aware of this. I'm curious. Um, it's a no-no because... They feel that that the job of the documentary uh, filmmaker is to take existing clips and not to make up um, uh, a fake Bourdain um, Uh saying Mm -hmm. something that he never Mm -hmm. said he wrote. And that's a distinction, which is really important. Okay, you know what? Then all Ken Burns movies have to stop right now because all of his movies are people, actors reading out letters. What's the difference? If an actor, you get... Uh, it's an actor reading out a letter, and you know it's like, oh, it's Marty Stewart reading out a right, letter from right, right. Hank Williams or, or right, whatever it is. Right. Um, but it's different if you have, if you're listening all through the film to Anthony Bourdain's voice, mm-hmm. and then you hear Anthony Bourdain's voice saying something that he never said, and they don't say, mm-hmm. here is now Anthony Bourdain... Uh, Oh, yeah. They should have said they, we made an AI. They could have said that at the bottom. We made an artificial. Yes, but they obviously didn't want to. And, you know, I I read about it and I, I thought I was sympathetic to that argument. Yeah, before, I'm sympathetic. Be, before going in. But, oh, before going but, in. See, I didn't know, notice it at all. In the particular one that's been pointed out with the, with the email, mm-hmm. to me... He says it's an email from Anthony yes, Bourdain. Yes. It's his voice, yes. and his voice is suddenly Anthony Bourdain's voice. Yes. I think, in my mind, I'm not so sure it crosses any kind of line. I don't and if it does, it just nudges the line and a little bit. And I thought bit. it was very beautifully done. Uh, I thought it was very beautiful done. And also, he didn't have to share that email with us. He, I was very yes. glad he did. I was glad a lot of the people shared the things they did. Yes, well, because, yes, because they suggested that he was not in a good way. He was not in a good way. Plus, this has been a mystery for the last couple of years. We wondered how could this guy who we love, it's like why did Kurt Cobain kill himself? You know, it seemingly you has love, everything. Yeah, and you think I thought Kurt Cobain got it. I thought he under, I thought he was having the last laugh. I thought Anthony Bourdain had the last laugh. I, it, it's shocking to me he did not. But I feel like the real I feel like the real reason was that he had been humiliated um, in a love affair to me, yes. and they really tried to be very careful with that. But that has been a rumor out on yes. the internet and, since and the day as, he as died. well. Uh, the director did not talk, did not interview the girlfriend. That's right. 
That's right. She's in the and, film, and she's yes. a very compelling personality. Uh, and he said that he that wasn't the film that he wanted to make. He, somebody else will probably make that he, that he, film. He definitely and made yet, a decision. And yet, you know, everybody knows he's he was one of the most famous people in the world, yeah. and everybody knows he committed suicide. Yeah. And so, knowing that at the beginning of the film, mm -hmm. you realize that this film offers a progression from 1999 to the point of his mm -hmm. of his death. Yes. And the film is really about well, what made this guy tick? Yes. Um, what made him successful? What made him brilliant? But also, what made him want to take his own life? Yeah. And so, in a sense, the film was very much about that. Yeah. And maybe he ought to have got her point of view. Yeah, I think it, maybe know. that would further... She, that I'll would say be... that she did not come off very well. Interesting. Did yeah. you think she came off well? No. 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 Uh, not at all. Um, I think I think it's better she wasn't brought onto the camera, yeah. personally, I mean, because it... I, I don't want to say anything bad about her because it's not her fault. This is not her fault. Uh, Anthony Burden, he made the choice to be involved with her. I don't think he read the room properly. That's right. And, and it's and embarrassing he... to see... You also, can, she, you was, can... she was, what... 30 you can years really than see him? her look at him when he holds her hand. I can see her cringe, and I can see her cringy when he's talking with her. And even his friend was like, "Dude, you have to stop flattering this girl. It's not working." And he didn't. Oh yes, and they they talk about woman. He Sorry, he, hi woman. he hires her to direct an episode I in was Hong so Kong. So uncomfortable. The last fifty. See, they ha couldn't have cut off that ending of that movie that was the whole part where well no they could have edited other parts i suppose i suppose yeah they couldn't have edited that part right. but for what sure. would you take out oh there was all kinds of parts oh, there was I would just take a out. lot yeah. of repetitive stuff there was yeah. a lot of things about him that we got in the first uh, and yeah i mean and, i mean they're bit. selling the idea that he was very much affected by seeing War. People in various different uh, I think he was. places, seeing war, seeing I think poverty, he was. and he probably he I probably he was. was. I think he definitely uh, was. Does that have anything to do with why he killed himself no, or I don't not? Think I so. have no. Who knows? I don't we, think so. We don't get to know that. I don't think. Well, I um, think one of them did say we all never get to know that. I thought Eric yeah. Rapar, who I also really love, he was like, I don't talk about that. He wasn't going to go there, but mm, that's right. He did say but that. But that's okay. That was his choice. Everybody else said, my friend killed himself. And they had to because they have to have a suicide prevention angle from it. And you have yes. to because... And, and also to all of his friends, it was very hurtful. It was so sad. Uh, it was so sad. Um, yeah, I felt I felt so much for every one of the people that they interviewed. I love them all. I want to be friends with David Coe. Oh, yeah, he seems like a real cool guy. I really I've love seen him. him show up on those David Chang shows Yes, me too. Chang oh, yeah, yeah. Well. You know I love David Chang too. Yeah, although he's been embroiled in his no, own set of I, controversies. No, and I went and right? looked it up. I don't think there's controversies. I think one person complained about working with him. And I think that's another whole topic. Mm, is, uh, that's not what I read. Okay, however, all right. We can do I more just, research. I will do more research, but I think that it's a really tough one because uh, working in a restaurant, you, there's only really one kind of person that really is going to be able to stay. You kind of have to be, a, you have to work 110%. And if you don't work 110%, your feelings are going to be hurt. Your life is going to suck, and you're not going to be able to match yes. the expectation um, yeah. but of I, what I had understood that one of, one of the deals with David Chang was that he was a yeller, like many, many chefs. Many chefs are. And you know what? I worked with many of them. It's, it's nothing I think about. I don't think about it at all. I think sometimes I don't like yelling, and I don't like anger. 
and it's not how I've done it myself in life. I've been, I've lost my cool and it's not my finest moment and I don't want to do it. But I also think that is part of life. You're trying not to do that. You're trying not to do that. But I think when you're working with a perfectionist, it's, it's not easy. I don't think you should, I don't think most people should work in a kitchen or work with a perfectionist because it's like the time we were talking about, um, Tom Cruise and Christian Bale when they lose their shit. I mean, they may not be a horrible people just because they lost their shit. It's not easy being a boss. It's not easy having that responsibility. It's I'm not condoning verbal abuse by any means or anger and angry speaking. And certainly yeah. you and should be able to And this discussion isn't about David Chang in any case. No, it isn't. Yeah. But I just remember because you went to dead pause, so I caught your eye. And I was like, I know what you're thinking with David Chang. I love him. And I felt bad for him with his relationship with um, Anthony Bourdain. That couldn't have been easy. No, it couldn't have been easy at all. I wanted to add something else. Um, okay. There was a couple of times when Anthony Bourdain there came up. He felt that he was um, alone. And also by alone, he didn't necessarily mean lonely, but that he was singular. And there is something in addiction um, with a lot of my AA friends and stuff. It's called terminal uniqueness. And it's very hard for um, an addict, if they believe they're terminally unique, to quit. Ah. And so that's why they believe that they have a reason. Their one life thing is why they can yeah. get away with being addicted and why they can stay with it. Yeah. And no one's going to well, understand he, it. He certainly had some awareness of that because um, he says, uh, I think, a number of times that he, well, does he want to go on doing this? And, and that he, um, he felt that it was too much about him. Mm hmm and yet it was successful because it was about him. He's completely charismatic. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, because yeah. it's his his charisma and his um, his ability to disarm people that he doesn't know and have them think he's your best friend. Yeah. And he does that in a blink of an eye yeah. over and over and over yeah. again. And I think that's um, at the heart of his success um, in that show. Interestingly enough, and I thought Kitchen Confidential was brilliant. I thought it was a great, a great, great amazing, book. Amazing, amazing. I mean, really, there's nothing quite like oh, it. It and just was mind blowing. I mean, I laughed out loud during that book, like giggling like a fool. But at the same time, in my opinion, uh -huh. his travel shows, as much as they were trying to sell the idea that every encounter was unique mm -hmm. um, and that it was really about the culture and the history and the people mm -hmm. and all of those things. Um, when I watched them, I and I didn't see all of them by any right. means, but I felt that he settled into a shtick. He did. He it was be, a shtick. It was the first to say that. It was a way of a, his language. It wasn't great writing. Yeah, but it was hard-boiled. It was really like he always was talking about a mystery book. He was always like, and then, okay, see, we go over here. He was kind of like that it guy. Was, it was okay, like listen, that, but it just see? it got awfully predictable. Yeah, but you know what? It was a delicious formula. If it was a formula, it was delicious. Sure. And, yeah. um, you know, he always, and he did. He was trying to reconcile decadence versus uh, people who had did not have that decadence. And the home-cooked meal, he did really seem to earnestly love home-cooked food and street food. And um, but a, a terrible story, not unlike Amy, where it was built up from found footage and uh, cell phone footage. Mm -hmm. So and Amy's the movie about Amy 
Winehouse came I out thought about shortly that too. after her death as well. Yeah. Very quickly after their death. And, um, you know, I think they were trying to give us some answers. Is it the answer? Do I feel like I know everything? No. But you can't know somebody. It's like Citizen Kane. The, the filmmaker, um, yeah. Morgan Neville, likened mm-hmm. himself to a grief counselor. Oh, of course, because um, he had to listen to everybody talk. Yeah. Yes, and and, he's and every, everybody he's was me a grief and, and, and everybody was really terribly broken up. Yeah. Yeah. Terribly, terribly yeah. broken up. Yeah. Um, some other things I didn't know is that he recognized he had he was getting or becoming agoraphobic. Yeah. Um. Very interesting. Very. Uh, that's pretty hard if you're if what you do for a living is you travel Mm -hmm. it must be tremendously difficult if if really you only want to stay in your hotel room Mm -hmm. can you imagine that everywhere you go people are talking to you all the time and you might just want to daydream well you know and and probably as much as he wanted to be the star at one point and Mm -hmm. threw himself right into Mm -hmm. that um he discovered the reality of celebrity. Mm-hmm. He couldn't go anywhere without. Right. And they showed you him walking down the street oh, and construction yeah. workers shaking his hand so and everybody awesome. wanted to say I know, hi. It was crazy. And I mean, I've often thought of that. That's the horror of uh-huh. celebrity. Uh-huh. People dream, oh, I want to be a celebrity. Celebrities are so wonderful. But the life of a celebrity could be awful. Yeah. It could be just tremendously awful. And then somebody. Somebody takes some picture of you doing something perfectly innocent mm. and twists it around and you're on front pages of newspapers. Mm. And I mean, it could be just a horrible thing. You know, the other impression I had, and I hadn't ever really noticed it before, but when you're seeing the outtakes, there's a lot of outtakes. And particularly with the woman he was dating at the end there, he seemed like he was drunk. And mm. it occurred to me, God, maybe he really, you know, the good thing about drinking when you were a heroin addict is you're not doing heroin anymore. Right. Yeah, but, and I also wondered if he was using again. I wondered. I've wondered that too. I didn't have that in the film, but yeah. I wondered. And it he was certainly the, the night he that he died. He was, he was clean. He was clean. There was there was yeah. no alcohol or drugs in yeah. his system, according to what yeah. people said in the film. I thought she was um, a manipulator. And um, Asia. Yeah, I wasn't. Asia Argento. Yeah. And I thought that you know, and I hate to badmouth her because I don't think it was her fault. I think she was very much like. A kind of a personality that gets locked into seeking fame and and performance mm-hmm. and um well the other thing that happened is that i mean she went on a stage in in cans and announced to the world that she had been raped by harvey weinstein yeah, yeah. and subsequently um bourdain became Mr. Me Too movement. I know, I know. And he he discarded many friends mm-hmm. that he had for mm-hmm. many years mm-hmm. without ever talking to them about it. Mm-hmm. Like he became like a, a zealot yeah. uh, about about a kind of uh, a, a code of behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I was okay with that. I was okay with that when it was happening. I, I was fascinated by it. It, it. How it comes out in the film... And whether that's how it was mm. in real life right. or not, I don't know. But the way I perceived it in the film was that he jumped into that role to be 180% supportive mm-hmm. of this woman who he was gaga for. He was gaga for her. And she was very, very um, mysterious looking and attractive. She really was. She's got a compelling charisma about her. Um, yeah, I just absolutely. Felt, and I, I just felt a bit of a... 
but he, maybe he, he could yeah he couldn't see that maybe she wasn't as into him yeah, as i think as that he was, was into, the into her was and it? and i mean I, I left the, the theater thinking well that was the nugget that's at the at the heart of it was this feeling of betrayal yeah um when the tabloids came with out else. with her with somebody else yeah, yeah. and um he got extremely angry about mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. and the suggestion in the film is that his act of suicide wasn't a premeditated mm -hmm. one but was an act of extreme passionate anger yeah his brother um, said that yeah although at the same time you see his psychological deterioration by the clips that they chose yes, and how yes. they contextualized it was, that's them. why i think he was drinking i think he was maybe an alcoholic at that point if he hadn't yeah. been sooner i just felt his body language and the way he was kind of moving and his inability to i mean that's it was death in venice do you know what death in venice is it's yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah to me it was it was uh death in venice he had fallen in love with the uh the mysterious young person uh, a great documentary i mean we've really uh <laughs> we ruined this one we ruined this one real <laughs> we can good. we can move on yeah, now no good. need to watch this no. no i couldn't it was so compelling <laughs> It was so compelling, and I really liked how it was made. I really did like the. the yes, I, w I would highly recommend it. I, yeah. I think if you're if you've read Kitchen Confidential, if you've seen any of his uh, travel logs or whatever you yeah. want to call them, uh, I think you'll find this fascinating. A yeah. fascinating look at another side of a person that you we only see right. through what they want right. to have projected. Yeah, definitely. And I couldn't help but think of some of the artists I know that have taken their own lives, you know, Murdoch and such. And, you know, so it triggered a lot of that. Sure. And, it, you yeah. know, I felt sad, but, um, you know. Well, and it's it's so perplexing to people who think, who thought that he was somebody that they aspired to be like. Totally. Uh, you know, totally, totally on top of the world. And then his friends would have stopped him if they had known. If they, they would had have known, stopped yeah. him. They would have stopped him. Yeah. And I think he would have stopped himself if he hadn't been just pissed off. You know, it was a fit, probably. Oh, well, that was that was sad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so meanwhile, um, what are we drinking oh, tonight, Oh, yeah, we're Jamie? drinking tonight. We're going to go right, speaking of booze, um, we're drinking a gin, a basil smash with gin. So I smashed up some basil from Eugene's garden and um, in the bottom of the glass. And Eugene thinks maybe we should take it out because we're fighting it right now while we're on our podcast. That's right. It's we getting stuck in our teeth. our teeth. And then it's got but it's some, yummy. it's fresh lemon juice and some simple syrup shaken up, poured over ice, and then lavender bitters. Mm, it's very, very good, yummy. Good, good, good. Yeah, the basil say, and lavender. And, and really I would like to together. ask our listeners, mm -hmm. is the podcast better when we're drinking <laughs> cocktails or, or, when, coffee. or when we're drinking tea or coffee? Coffee, that's right. <laughs> and you can email us with your choice, <laughs> yeah. door number one or door number that's two, right. cocktails or tea or coffee that's right. uh, at the at gmail.com. Yes. yes. And on a slightly lighter note, I suppose, I watched the movie you, you talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, The Little Things. Ah. And I freaking loved it. It's Denzel Washington, I'll just recap. And who is the fellow Jared Leto and who played uh, Mercury, Freddie Mercury? Uh, Rami? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they were all fantastic. Yeah. What a great movie. Great cast. I thought it was a great movie too. The, the critics hated it. I, I don't understand why they hated it. You know, and, and then I, of course I looked up the director and his name's John Lee Hancock, 
which sounds like a fake name, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. I was like, what a prosaic name. But, you know. Jeez, put your John Lee Hancock on this on document. Right, right. <laughs> and so I looked up his other work and he made A Perfect World, which I absolutely loved. It was with Kevin Costner. Total tearjerker. Uh, kind of a, a bad guy, bank robber on the run. Ha- you have a really a high Kevin Costner uh, I do, tolerance. I do. He's amazing in this film. And he grabs a kid and then they kind of go on this on the lam. And um, then he made, um, what's this called? I can't read my own writing. But he has another movie I really want to see. Oh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Did you ever see that? It's no. an old Kevin Spacey movie. Um, Kevin Spacey, remember do we, do, him? Do we say that, that name? No, we I don't. don't. Think, I don't think isn't we say that, that name. That... Do I have to edit that out? Yeah. Do I have to put beeps in? But isn't that weird to think of Kevin Spacey now? Okay, and then the other movie he I haven't seen, I was going to text you to see, is called, he made a movie called The Highwaymen. Guess who's in it? Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson and it was about two years old and it's about two guys trying to catch Bonnie and Clyde I just think oh, I saw be, that movie you yeah, did yeah, how yeah, was yeah. it yeah it was actually pretty good oh yeah. okay yeah it was it All was, right, it was a pretty good it. look at that right right it's, it's much much different than the Bonnie and Clyde film it looks at it from a diff- much different yeah, lens yeah and I, I'm gonna say it wasn't a great film but it was a good film. It was quite a good film, well, very enjoyable. I think he's a very interesting filmmaker. He really is into um, the human condition and, and characters. He really he wrote and directed The Little Things. So he wrote that. Yeah. And I, I thought it was just such a great story. Um, and you were right. You said something about how Denzel and, and Rami have um, something in common. Yes. They're both these they're, kind of cops. They're, that they're very much the same. Very similar. And they're, they're they become fate obsessed. Ends the same. And, yes, yeah, and they, their fate they, ends yeah. the same, too. Um, I, I felt a little confusion here and there throughout the film. Um, it's very mysterious. Jared Leto is fantastic. Yes. Super yes, creepy. Yes, he just toys with them. He's, he does he's toy with very, them. very creepy. And the frustration that they, they can't break through that is right, really right. palpable. But it was a very good, I thought it was quite clever that it was set in 1990. So it's just at the end of the 80s. And I found that all very interesting to the filmmaking and storytelling because it was like different things were staying true to that time period. And I really enjoyed that. Like one of the victims, she had the posters in her apartment and on her fridge were all of the time. And she was obviously into rock music and pop punk music and stuff. And it was really cool. And um, the costumes were great. The cars were great. And there was a real cat and mouse playoff between Jared Leto and Denzel Washington that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was an excellent, yeah. excellent film. It should not have been uh, panned. It, it it really does deserve a, a seven yeah, out of and, ten. And I, and I think audiences are enjoying it. Yes, I think so. It's really good, and and looks gorgeous. Everybody was really good in it. Well, today I had a, a surprise uh, treat. Oh, um, I got a text from your daughter. Yep, um, and she <laughs> got me a ticket for. What are we even going to call this? A streaming know. event. Okay. A streaming event called Shadow Kingdom. Ooh. Featuring, Shadow Kingdom. featuring one Mr. Bob Dylan. <laughs> and it was it was really strange. Was what, it? it was super strange. Oh, wow. It was, was it good? I kind of think it was good. Yeah. Did In you way, enjoy it? I, oh, yeah. I enjoyed, oh, it. enjoyed I, it. I watched good. the whole thing. It oh, was yeah. one hour long. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know what to expect because yeah. they didn't leak anything except right. one little segment of it they they leaked out. Okay. Um, which, um, which demonstrates that it was pre-recorded. Yeah. Now, it's in black and white. <laughs> it's got... 
um, Mr. Dylan and his band. Mm -hmm. um, it's not his touring band, or maybe it's partially his touring okay. band. It's hard to say. Um, his bass player has is a woman with long blonde hair yeah. playing stand up bass, nice. sometimes with a bow. Oh wow! Yeah, he had an accordionist. Uh huh. Um, throughout, <laughs> How perfect. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was the, the instrumentation was really interesting. It was all black and white, and through parts of it, there was an audience mm. in front of the stage. Oh, but it appeared to me <laughs> that in actual life, Bob Dylan and this audience never did meet. Oh, okay, so it's it, it appeared, yes, it appeared that it. The audience was superimposed, okay. okay? And to accentuate that, mm. the audience that you see, initially you see two gorgeous young women of course. who look like they come out of another era. Oh, interesting. Who look like they come out of oh. a film noir. Oh, really? Okay, and it's a black and white film, okay? <laughs> and the women, whenever you see them, are smoking. Shadow Kingdom? Shadow Kingdom. All right, okay. Okay, they're smoking, yep. and they're blowing clouds of smoke <laughs> and you see dylan through the clouds oh, of smoke funny. that they're that they're blowing right. and at one point there's a woman on stage while the band is playing mm. and it i think that she was superimposed on there too mm. and she's like leaning against an amplifier smoking a cigarette mm. everybody's smoking in this mm -hmm, thing mm -hmm. it's the most it's like an advertisement for tobacco mm. in, in this. I mean, even more than Anthony Bourdain talking about right. lighting up before oh he even has God. his morning coffee. I could, right? I wanted to have a cigarette so bad. Um, it, uh, it was, um, it was weird. It's what it was. It was really yeah, weird. Yeah. And, you know, last year he came out with an album called Rough and Rowdy Ways, which very successful yeah, by all accounts. Good, good Everybody album. liked it. It I was really it. good. It was yeah. very interesting. Mm -hmm. It was almost a spoken word album. Yeah. And leading people to think, can old weird Bob even sing anymore? <laughs> well. Was he singing today? He was singing today. Oh, wow. He was singing today better than he sang in 25 <laughs> years. That's, he's going to just stick it to us. He's yeah, just, he's playing with us. We're his, we're his now, mouse, and now, he's the is cat. it because he what hasn't been touring for a year and a half? No, and so his he could always so sing. His, he chose those other voices. Maybe I believe he did. Although, you know, mm. in in some clips that I've okay. seen, he barks more yeah, than more than yeah, anything I agree, else. But I think he's um, doing it, but not in a way, not like a Captain Beefheart kind of okay. bark. I think it was, I think it was a three pack a day bark. Maybe oh, he quit smoking. Maybe, Maybe he, quit he, smoking he quit smoking and, and he's got everybody else smoking, smoking in this thing. Smoking, yeah. So, I bet he quit a long time ago. No? I don't think so. Oh, really? Fascinating. So. Okay, fascinating. I, mean, I could be wrong, you know. All I, right. Um, so, it's got a lot of visual interest. Yeah. Okay, it's black and white. And there's other things you see, like, you see, like, some audience members, and then you see Bob and the band and you see the smoke mm. and then a guitar solo happens and what happens in front of in front of like the audience is here there's Bob and then the, the, the audience people that are appear to be at tables and there's mm -hmm. someone serving them beers mm -hmm. and then closer to us we see someone holding a guitar doing a guitar solo oh, and we wow. see them playing the guitar solo and they're right up in your face but you don't see that person's face 
and you can't see the so face. It's like a silhouette. Uh, yes, but you see the the, the detail of the okay. guitar and oh, everything, okay. but you just don't see their face. Oh, interesting. And it's like they're. It's like an animation in a way oh. that's moved in front of the rest of the scene. Mm. And then when the solo's over, it moves back out. Oh, weird. Yeah, it's very weird. It's, it's funny. Re it's really artsy. odd. Artsy. It's very artsy. I'd like to know who directed it mm. because I think it was very much a directed and choreographed um, show. Mm -hmm. And between the songs, as one song is finishing, mm -hmm. they flash up. The name of the next song in giant white block oh, letters wow. on black. Wow. And then they they go back and you see sometimes the band has moved around and Bob wow. has moved around. Wow, it's his 80th birthday. Yeah. Oh, you knew that, huh? Yeah. And I wondered I wondered if this is a if this is a retirement show. Stop it. If this is um if this is a swan song and he and he just wants to say, Yeah, I could sing all along. Yeah, that's what I think it is. Um, but um, after, because we can rewatch it, you can watch it. You can watch a few minutes of yes. it, and, and you'll you'll see what I all mean. Right, all right. Um, his singing is very good, and <laughs> and he sings mostly old songs, mm -hmm. um, although not the ones that were the giant hits, mm -hmm. but songs like "Most Likely You Go Your Way" and "I'll Go Mine." Um, he sings the highlight in my mind is he does wicked messenger from john mm, wesley harding wow. and he does a killer oh, job of it. it just a killer killer job wow. of it uh, some of the performances were really really good wow. some of them were good but to me they didn't have as much character as I wanted the performances mm -hmm. to have. Mm -hmm. And I don't know really how to explain okay. that. I mean, because you say, well, is it good or is it not yeah, good? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's but good. But it didn't have dynamic performances, maybe. Well, well, first of all, Bob does move around a lot. Right. I mean, he's an 80-year-old 80, 80 dude. Um, he never he, really moved that much, though, did he? Not a lot, a little bit. Maybe but he was uh, younger, yeah. Um, Hard rain. He plays, uh, plays some uh, harmonica, mm -hmm. um, guitar. As the last few years, he's mostly played... Um, mostly played piano on oh, stage, okay. um, and I had the chat on for a while because there's a live chat, Fun. and um, <laughs> people are pointing out, "Oh my God, he hasn't played this one live since oh, 2011." Because cool. all the freaks were on. Yeah, right? that's so. Oh, he cool. hasn't played this one since 2002. Oh, I love it. So he did a lot of tunes that he hasn't played in a long time, and um, as I say, singing is very good. The band's very good. The arrangements were very good. It's just really weird. Mm. It's because it isn't a live show. It, I got the impression that it's something that they might have prepared over two or three weeks mm -hmm. performing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Going, getting those sure. performances exactly how they wanted. You know, Dylan is famous for being unrehearsed. Okay. I'm going to say this was rehearsed. Okay. <laughs> I'm say it was very rehearsed. It was very choreographed. Mm -hmm. uh, and... It's like a it's like a new thing. It's a new way of presenting a performance. Okay. It's not like a video because right. they're obviously performing. It's a virtual concert. It's a virtual concert and they took advantage of the virtualness of it. Right. Right? And right. they they did these kind of superimposed audiences and um so it was pandemic virtual too, so he would be safe. 
Uh, yeah, and, and everyone in the band except him has has black masks. Right, right. That's been pretty typical with performers. Yeah, uh, Lady Gaga, everybody. Although she's had some masks too, but most of their backup dancers now wear masks. Yeah, and probably that was, you know, they could have just tested everybody. And they then, probably did though. They yeah. probably did. Um, but obviously, Maybe it was a decision. Was optics. They, optics? Uh, th- yes, they wanted to show all these guys are wearing masks. Yes. You wear your mask yes. too. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, pretty cool. So, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it too. Yeah, it was it was very cool. It was very um, it was very unusual. <laughs> and as I say, some of the things like the constant smoking was really weird. <laughs> it was really it was, funny. I can only say, and you'll know what I mean when you see it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if any of this is going to hit YouTube or not. And I mean, I wasn't going to fork out um, the money for it um, <laughs> because got a gift for I it. got a gift for it. Yeah. And the reason why I wasn't is because I've seen clips of him performing the last few years and. Yeah. Well, frankly, the live shows haven't been that interesting. Oh. You see, I always thought his voice was good. I felt he's a performer. He was experimenting. Look, at I bet Tom Waits sings like an angel if he wanted to. <laughs> but he's playing a character. He's bringing a style of blues and ratchety voice. To... Well, in the case of Tom Waits, I think, well, I know in 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 the early 1980s when yeah. he married Kathleen Brennan, she introduced him to the music of Captain Captain Beefheart. Mm-hmm. And I so saw cool. an interview with him or read an interview with him mm-hmm. at one point, and he says, there's no turning back once you oh, hear this guy. Yeah. Um, He's clearly, funny that he just discovered Captain yeah, Beefheart. Yeah, really. Yeah. And he was like, really, obviously, because right after that came a huge shift in his music yeah. with short, Swordfish Trombones mm-hmm. came out right after that. Right. And um, his music's been much more Beefheartian yeah. since then, I think. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think. That's pretty funny. Um, although you might say that he could very well have also been listening to um, things like um, the Sun Ra Orchestra uh-huh. and their album Second Star on the Right, their tribute to Walt Disney. Oh. Um, like if you listen to some some cuts on that, uh, such as um, uh, This is the Forest of No Return, mm-hmm. Um, you'd almost think it was Tom Waits mm-hmm. singing it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. We sort of have a fix it. I have a fix it. Okay. Um, I got a comment from a friend to just articulate something. But last week's episode, we both got upset about something. Different things. Yes. We were upset about something. And my uh, text that I got said, just articulate, articulate why why that is. Not that you were wrong for it, but clear it up. So we ta- both talked about two different um, topics, but they are the two biggest PR, I would say, PR catastrophes since the Americans didn't join the Second World War to fight the Nazis. Of a PR crisis. Okay. And that's with the law enforcement in North America and with the pandemic. Those are two massive PR um, disasters. And so the reason I was particularly upset with the funeral last week was because no one's been having funerals. We've been staying at home for over a year and a half. It was completely insensitive and inappropriate, and it shows how out of touch the law enforcement people are mm. by not realizing that they didn't fix their PR at all by doing that. They're in a crisis, and they're not dealing with it. So that funeral was out of line for me because of that. So I just want to add that. And, um, you know, not since the Nazis and the United States joining the Second World War has there been such a, two, a double in one in two years, a double crisis. Although the, the law enforcement's been since 2015, forever, but that. 
Oh, do we have a letter? Yes, we have a letter. Oh my God, did you know that already? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I've great. already responded to it, okay. and there's a response to the response. Oh great. Oh, okay. So, um, so we got a, a, a an email from. Um, Oh, sorry, Adam I, and I, Yes, but before we go, did, yes. did you have anything more to say about no, the No, that was it. I okay. just want to articulate that after we've all been staying home from funerals for a year and a half, these fuckwads go and have a funeral. It's inappropriate. They could have had 10 people meet in Thornhill, just like everybody else. And most of us yeah, didn't that's get fair to point. Have, I hadn't really thought about it. and I was funerals all I wasn't time. really sure where you were going, yeah, and I just sort of left that going. one be. But, so that's why my uh, friend texted and said, you need to explain that the reason... The actual reason was because everybody's been staying home and no, nobody got to have any funerals on these guys, but they're entitled. They're privileged. They get to have a funeral. Okay. okay. So Adam I don't want anyone killed, but... Adamandia yeah. sent us an email. Hello, was there new opening music Ooh. this time around? It sounded different to me, although the ending seemed the same as always. Um, sorry, let me just... Um, uh, the disease throughout history section made mm. me think of Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles where humans brought chicken pox and killed the uh, indigent uh, Martians. Oh, there you go. Um, and, you know, I read a fair bit of science fiction at one point, but for some reason I can't explain I avoided Ray Bradbury. Oh, I really love Ray Bradbury. Something Wicked This Way Comes is amazing. Okay. Yeah, I recommend reading it now even. It's beautifully written. Hey, that's a pretty cool... Oh, do you want to read yours so, um, first? Or? Well, I just wanted to, uh, to, to talk about the music. Right. And that music... Um, isn't new for for those who don't know normally mm -hmm. and if we have a guest yeah. uh, who's a musician we'll right. have their music of right. course That's true. but normally we have uh traditional old-time music played by me yes. on claw hammer banjo right. and i've recorded a number of clips and um our usual are most of the time when candy's not editing um music <laughs> is wild hog in the woods and that's and opening that's the opening oh, right, one. right, and I reverse it. And Candy never, when she edits, that's how you know who's editing. Is Candy really never Bonaparte. puts... Yeah, she usually puts yeah, Bonaparte's March. Which is the closing. Um, and, and, but, you, but, you know, usually what I do is I'll put anyone as the closing and Wild oh. Hog. Anyway, this time... I really screwed up. This time, I realized that I had a clip for uh, another tune called The Forky Deer, um, <laughs> which, uh, as far as I know, is a West Virginia tune. And... Uh, <laughs> And I realized that I hadn't used that one in a long time. Mm. Um, so I think I had used it as the closing music before. Okay. Um, but I put it in at the as the beginning um, music. Um, the, the title, The Forky Deer, refers to um, uh, a buck in rut. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's huh. it has two titles, either yeah. The Forky Deer or <laughs> The Forked Deer. Okay. Never The Forked Deer. All right. They always say The Forked right. or, right. the, or The Forky. Okay. So... Um, well, good catch there. Um, yeah, so I, I'm hoping that um, that uh, in the in the near future, if <laughs> I can get good enough on fiddle, I'll create some right. some new opening and closing clips right. on fiddle, right. Right. and maybe I'll put some fiddle and banjo together, and oh, like and it. we'll get a little bit more sophisto with good. with the music. And I'll but, try to do Wild Hog as the opening next time um, I edit. But it isn't something that we talk about. We don't usually credit the opening. The tunes, as far as I know, mm. the ones that we use yeah. are all traditional tunes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no copyright right. involved. Um, we own them together. Yeah. And um, and I've recorded a number of them, and, yeah. and we had, we interchange yeah, them. Interchange them. Um, so uh, so Adam replied again. I read the Martian Chronicles so long ago. I looked it up on Wikipedia to make sure it was chickenpox oh. and not measles. Apparently, there are several editions with rewrites. 
there are many social justice issues. Ray Bradbury is one of the grandfathers of sci-fi, so I guess the Martian Chronicles um, are a good bit of history. Oh, he's just, uh, he's and, one of my favorite writers. And maybe we're going to have to put that on the list of books that we should read and talk I think about. So. We should read Martian Chronicles. We've got the big picture, Martian Chronicles. And we should put that on the... And it's been so long ago that I read it that I would like to be refreshed on so my we'll, memory, too. So we have a number of books lined up. So it's going to be a while before we get to it. Um, including, including, I have a copy in front of oh, me... Oh, you ordered it? ...of The Big Picture Where'd by Sean Carroll. Never mind where I got it. I got on the ordering machine. I got I went on the ordering machine. This was uh, this was suggested by uh, our friend Megan and... Um, oh, did damn. she suggest a, a nice little 80 page 10 oh. minute read <laughs> no this thing is about three inches thick thank oh you megan oh and God. the uh it's got like really tiny print it's gonna take me i'm a slow reader it's gonna take me forever to read this but it is uh, it's coming up i'm a pretty fast reader but it's been i'm slow these days for whatever reason but i'm so happy i finished the american plague and i loved it and i'm starting a new one because we're doing a book club at the buddhist temple of chicago and Wendy, who's organized this book thing, uh, she got me a copy, and it's called "We Do This Till We're F We Do This Till We Free Us" by Mariami Kava, and it's abolitionist organizing and transforming justice. And I'm pretty excited about it. I'm an abol uh, abolitionist. I'm against capital punishment. Okay. I'm against slavery. I think everyone who is arrested for pot should be put out of prison. I think it's bullshit. They're mm -hmm. still in prison. They all need to get out. And Mariami Kava is the one who we quoted a long time ago on this. Everything worth doing is done with other people. That's one of her sayings. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll get the big picture from the ordering machine when I get back to Chicago. <laughs> yes, uh, you you might as well because I would I would read it and then give it to you to take back, but I'm not going to read know, it that fast I know, I know. because, as I say, I am I the slowest reader in town. Did you know that? You know the book, The American Plague? She's a journalist, and she has a very nice way of writing. Um, she said things like, it, it makes sense that the virus, the yellow fever virus, try, killed the people that were trying to kill it. Because 32 scientists died trying to figure out what the hell yellow fever was. And I suppose that does happen over the years. So is that because the, the virus figured out who the enemy was? No, they just were dealing with it. They uh, they yeah. caught mosquitoes and put it on 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 volunteers' arms. Yes, or it could be like the fly, where the, the scientists fly, get so exactly. so obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> the fly, you remember the fly, the I, Jeff Goldblum oh, one. Oh, I love that it's a great movie. movie. I love that yeah. movie. You know, our friend Hobie is in that movie. Really, he's a poster on the wall, in one of the rooms in that wow. movie. We should really play yeah. that and get a picture of it. Yeah, he also, was in a, a uh, campaign about. Um, teen pregnancy i hope he doesn't mind us telling everybody this he was like this, well we know a supermodel what can i say i hope he's done everything yeah he's done everything he's a supermodel and um but when we and he i believe was coming out of the movie when you and i went to see it that's hilarious many many years ago at the sheridan oh that and is... i think he told us that he his poster was in the movie that is really or hilarious. Or I just noticed it. I don't know. And now I'm going to get in trouble. Maybe Hobie will write us an email. Yeah, Hobie, um, clarify this whole business <laughs> around around the fly, the fly, please. I mean, also in that movie was um, uh, an old friend of my family, George Chevallo, oh, the, yeah, the fighter. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, and uh, I believe that that's where I first heard the line, hands like canned hams, <laughs> from that film. <laughs> that fits. That does fit. Um, 
Oh, and if you know what, what do you, I, I don't know if anybody cares that's listening to this, but a comment was made to me on the side, not in an email, about do we want to say ahead? Now we've said three books that we're about to read in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to start saying what movies we might want to see, or we're just going to hope people will suggest movies to us? Well, now, I just don't know how many people might want to watch the movie and see it coming up, or maybe we need to say it in the comments when we load it. What movie we're talking about? I don't know. So we're not always running the movies for everybody. <laughs> oh, so people could avoid episodes or, because we might or, talk about it, or they could be planned. I'm not going to. I'm not going to help people avoid no, episodes. No, we can't help people avoid episodes. No, that's wrong. But we want people to watch the movies with us. Uh, yes, maybe. Uh, but we've in the past we've suggested, oh, we're going to watch this yeah, movie or that movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've asked for suggestions for movies, and sometimes we get them. That's true. Um, you know, true. we have uh, we have a, a few loyal followers out there yeah. um, who have made a number of suggestions for us, and we would true. like more. We would like more. We would like more Definitely. because we like to hear from you at mm-hmm. the agency podcast mm-hmm. at gmail mm-hmm. and also we're going to um, if you if you're like cuckoo for cocoa puffs about this podcast (laughs) um you know you can help us pay some bills by becoming a patron and you can go to patreon and search for the agency podcast um it's not very searchable i have to say and i would say it's on our instagram page i put it the the link in our bio okay and we're also going to put it um with with this episode all right um and maybe i'll I'll do a a facebook Facebook post as well um we really appreciate those of you who have um uh, who have supported us. Uh, we do have a few bills to, to make this Definitely. thing happen. Um, we also have some swag that's available True. for sale. Yep. Merch. merch. We have merch. We've got mugs for 20. We've got hats for 30. And we've got flasks for 45. Okay, so there you, you go. Can email us if you're interested. Email in us and we'll, we'll, and we'll hook you up. We'll hook you up. Um, we've got or, Venmo. Or as I say, we have PayPal. As I say, if you're cheap, or broke <laughs> and you would like to have some swag. Thank you, I mean, you really need to. Eugene's yeah. a softie. I'm a soft touch, but you, I mean, you got to work for it, right? Yeah. I'm not just going to send it to anyone. Right, right. Uh, Almost anyone. There was another thing I was thinking of. What was it? Oh, um, oh, I played, for the first time in my life, I played D&D today. We sat outside. I saw the beekeepers. D&D, that's not a drink. No, that's... it's Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And uh, Holy role-playing 80s game. Batman. And you know what? I had an enjoyable time with it because it's very much like having a conversation uh-huh. with some dice rolling. So it's like, and what, I think you would like it. I think you would actually enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. We um, got through a couple of challenges. You each take a character. You get a sheet of paper that's your character. You read what talents you have and what skills you have and what your equipment is and the rest is kind of in your imagination and dice rolling so you you talk about what you're going to do is yeah, that how it works i guess so yeah that's kind of how you do it i mean it's hard for me to explain it it's very cooperative and very conversational i mean that that just could catch on 40 years ago <laughs> there's people still playing yeah dead dead right they are just dedicated um so there might yeah. be some people who've been playing for 40 years and haven't stopped I think there are, definitely. Mm. I mean, the Matrix um, siblings, uh, the Wachowski siblings, I think they were Dungeon & Dragon um, players Okay. when they were younger, and I think they might still do it. But it's a really a lot of imagination because um, you have to, you get this challenge, like there's ogres or d- goblins, they're trapped you, they're going to shoot arrows, how are you going to get out of this? So you have to look at your skills, and then you try and explain how you'll get out of it, then you roll dice to find out if you did. And I'm not doing a very good sales pitch because it is really fun because 
we were making, you know, you're still yourself playing it, even though you're pretending to be a wizard or a fighter or a cleric or whatever you might, your role might be. I actually think you would enjoy it. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to get some costumes next week. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's it. You know, it starts <laughs> off. It starts off you know, funny it's like games. They, they, they came from a good family yeah. and everything. Somewhere along the way, things got a little bit strange. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I want to just say a big thank you to uh, to Tiffany for hooking me up with yeah, Old Weird Bob. Yeah, and for um, playing Dungeon and, and Dungeons and Dragons to her and um, my grandson and our beekeeper friend, Zach. We saw the beekeepers. Hi, Zach. How are you doing out there? Hi, Amba. Thanks for the good snacks. And uh, we got to see the bees. I posted a picture on Instagram. I saw that. And then we also played Dungeons & Dragons in the backyards. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's a lovely yeah. space in the backyard to play it a is. game. It is. I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, good stuff. All right. And I guess we're going to be back at you next week. And we're hoping that next week, oh, yeah. if the universe unfolds like it should... We're going to have a special guest. Yeah, we are. Outdoors. Outdoors. Maybe with some beverages. Maybe with some beverages because we're on a roll right? with the beverages. We are. Right? And it's going to be on the east end of Toronto. And I guess you'll So, anyone on the east end, out. if we can warn you ahead of time, we'll, we will. You can meet us there.